Joe Biden is the next president of the United States. That's according to an Associated Press projection. Securing Pennsylvania Saturday puts Biden above the all-important 270 electoral college threshold to win the race. And the vote counting that continues has Biden ahead in Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. In the popular vote, Biden currently leads President Donald Trump by more than 4 million ballots cast. With this win, the Democratic ticket also makes history. Joe Biden becomes our oldest president, and Kamala Davy Harris will become the first Black, first Asian American, and first female vice president of the United States. This is an Axios election 2020 special. I'm Nyla Boodoo. We're going to spend the next few minutes talking about what happens next with two journalists who have been reporting about all of this since the beginning. Hans Nichols covers the Biden campaign for Axios, and Jonathan Swan is also a political reporter at Axios watching the Trump administration. First, let's just start with your initial reaction, Hans. Well, they had a theory, they had a case, and they won. And that's all that matters, right? We don't know where Joe Biden will take the oath of office. It will be on the front of the Capitol, but he'll take the oath of office if this all passes legal muster and all the lawsuits are thrown out. They had a theory from the beginning that the electorate in their own party was more moderate, that the electorate in the country was in the center, not the far left. They held to that and they won. Jonathan, do you think that's a bit premature to be talking about taking the oath of office when we think about the Trump administration's role in all of this? No, I think I think it would be fairly concerning if we were giving too much credence to the idea that Biden wouldn't be taking the oath of office. We are entering uncharted waters because President Trump is not going to accept this victory for Joe Biden. He has already himself falsely declared victory, as we foreshadowed he'd been talking. This was not some spur of the moment speech he gave on election night. It was something that he was premeditated. He had talked about it privately with advisors in several conversations over the past few weeks, including play acting is probably a little bit too much of a flourish for me to say it, but he'd literally gamed out how he would do that if in that circumstance. So you're going to have a president who's not accepting that he lost, who whose campaign is pursuing all manner of legal action from the very minor, you know, suit, you know, filing lawsuits to try and get more access to counting facilities to, you know, trying to stop votes that arrive after ballots that arrive after election day from being counted in Pennsylvania, which, you know, they're trying to get up to the Supreme Court. So you're going to have this situation here and then project forward just a little bit. This is going to be probably the ugliest transition period in recent American history. And of course, all of this is happening in the middle of the pandemic. So I wonder for both of you, how much more important is it when we're thinking about a transition at this time, when the U.S. is recording more than 120,000 new coronavirus cases a day? Well, think about it in terms of the vaccine. There's development and then there's distribution. Now, the development is mostly being done through private companies and all that funding has come through Operation Warp Speed. But the distribution is a challenge. That'd be a challenge in the best of times. It's going to be a challenge globally. And it'll be a challenge to do that if we're in the middle of a transition. Now, one way around that is to have sort of Biden officials interface directly with the pharmaceuticals that are trying to develop these vaccines. But, you know, a lot of this has been coordinated through various White House offices. And if there's no cooperation there, that has real world implications. Jonathan, when you say that you anticipate this will be ugly, what are you anticipating that will look like? Well, I don't want to speculate, so I'll just base it on some reporting. Uh, So, look, we have reporting, and we've published a story on this, that if Trump had won, 
he would have moved very quickly to fire a whole bunch of senior people in his government, including his FBI director, Christopher Wray, his CIA director, Gina Haspel, both of whom are despised and distrusted inside Trump's inner circle. He would also almost certainly get rid of his defense secretary, Mark Esper. He would run up against civil service protections, but he wants to fire Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert. I don't know what that means for what he would do to some of these senior officials. In some senses, it doesn't matter because Biden would welcome the chance to appoint his his own FBI director, you know, shortly into the 10-year term. And, you know, whatever horrors Trump inflicted on Fauci, Biden would quickly reverse. But I think that there is still a lot of room for them to settle scores among the government. And the other thing to watch for is, you know, presidents tend to do flurries of pardons, pardoning people at the end of their administration. Often they save the most controversial pardons. How do you anticipate the first 100 days as we're looking ahead here? Compartmentalize it into sort of, you know, three different buckets. One, international, what they can do symbolically, right? That's rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, maybe reengaging with Iran. Then domestically, there has to be, they think something has to be done in terms of coronavirus relief, having some sort of stimulus for the economy. And then there's a third bucket domestically, and that's healing the country. And that's healing, as Biden sees it, between the divisions between Republicans and Democrats. And you heard him talk about that on Wednesday. Um, But there's also the question of healing the country from coronavirus, because this is still raging throughout the country. And, And so that's how they think about it. But there are so many day one challenges that they think they have, that if you ask them how many day one challenges they have, they say, well, we have about, you know, two, three hundred. You can't do everything on day one. And what the the challenge for the Biden administration is going to be to figure out how to compartmentalize and prioritize all these different items. And they're going to run up against the president's time and their own agenda and just the sort of gears of government, you know, grind slowly. Axios is Hans Nichols and Jonathan Swan. Gentlemen, thank you. For news and analysis every day, you can subscribe to our regular podcasts, Axios Today and Axios Recap. This has been a special Axios Election 2020 podcast. Let us know what you think. We're at podcast at axios.com. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Stay safe and thanks for listening.